podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Churros Itacticas Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sabani, joined by my great friend in pain, Diego Lorin, for a yet another episode of Churros Itacticas. This one recorded the day after Real Madrid in authoritative and dominant fashion, wiped the floor with Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup Final 4-1 in an absolute bloodbath, a game that was so gruesome that the referee at the 90th minute was like, you know what, I've seen enough of this massacre. No extra time, we're blowing the whistle right now. There are kids in attendance, there are families in attendance. This is not safe for work. This is irresponsible of me to let this game continue 4-1 it is let it be ended right there and i'm just sitting over here diego thinking man i'm i'm really tired of doing these intros every time real madrid win a classico all of the fan base the real madrid fans are expectations are so high i mean i can't wait to hear what kian has to say in his intro today are there going to be balloons fireworks and i'm just feeling overwhelmed at the pressure of expectations, I had to come up with new material after every classical, and I was thinking, well, you know what? Let me remember these are first world problems. And just when I was about getting annoyed about doing these intros, I, I remembered, I remembered sitting at the Bernabeu in the night of the four nil a couple years ago, and seeing all these tweets. Gerard Piquet, we're back. Barcelona winning the title last season, a new cycle is beginning with Xavi. Ancelotti is outdated. The Negreira case, almost forgot about that one, and the list is endless, and I thought, you know what? No. I am privileged and honored to sit here and do the intro, and I'm going to stop it there because I'm sure that Diego is going to be really reasonable. He's not going to complain about the red card. He's not going to complain about the penalty. He's going to be very self-reflective of Barcelona and not deflect and also, I have to be extra, extra sympathetic today because Diego, before the podcast, threw it on me that he was on the, in the hospital on Saturday, <laughs> just sucking the, sucking the momentum out of my intro as well. And I had to deal wow. with that. The psychological, I had to shift, I had to psycho, psychological, I had to, I had to think, oh man, now I have to be really sympathetic. So it was more of a message to Kulays rather than Diego and I do love you, and I love you guys. I actually love all the Kool-Aid. Some of my best friends are Kool-Aids. It's great banter, but I'm happy that Real Madrid won the game, and I'm excited to break it down and explore it and actually have a really interesting uh, conversation about what happened last night and the big picture Im- implications. So, Diego, welcome to the show. My condolences about last night and this weekend. How are you? I just want to oh, show man. some proof. Just want to show some proof that, yes, indeed, I... I, I was uh submitted to some medical tests and indeed i was uh i spent a large part of the saturday in the hospital um where it, like i told you it resulted uh, a test determined that i have uh, some heart issue but let's just leave it at that i don't want to deflect i don't want to seem neither that i'm sucking the air out of this uh, momentous victory congratulations to all the madridistas what a game what a win uh, what a win! What a way to win the first uh, trophy of the season against uh, you know the bitter opponent, 
yet another chapter is written in classical history. What a spectacle for Madridistas. It was uh, very painful to watch. Um, I'm not, you know, there, there's no sugarcoating this. Uh, can't say that it wasn't fully expected, and we'll go uh, into the details, although those uh, loyal listeners that are subscribed to the Patreon podcast will know that coming into this match, I wasn't feeling too, I wasn't feeling favorite, I wasn't feeling too optimistic. There was delusional hope. I think that that is uh, exactly how I mm, characterized or, or, or described myself, a, a delusional, hopeful uh, at the time, in that uh, I was hoping that Barca could muster up the spirit to uh, at least compete, Kian. And, 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 and now that I'm saying this, we went over certain possible scenarios. Obviously, mm -hmm. losing was always in the books, a, a possible outcome. And I seem to remember saying something along the lines of, even if we do lose, I at least hope that these players can show that they are able or willing to compete. Yeah. And in that sense, it is the worst possible outcome for Barca because it was a one-sided, lopsided affair. Uh, from the get-go, we saw the team that was actually with that that had the intention that had the will that had the drive the motivation the determination and the aggression to bag the trophy to 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 get the win to get mm -hmm. the w whereas i mean kian these players barca they just look a shadow of themselves uh from you know being defending defending champions of this spanish super cup and the uh, la liga as well it's I'm sitting here with a smile because like I said a few podcasts ago, I I, I don't want to go down this dark negative road. It's very easy to go down that road. This loss last night certainly has cemented now that, that depressive state of of of, of mood of, of 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 being uh at in Cambarsa. But uh hey, I'm gonna take this one on the chin. I was expecting a far more elaborate and profuse you know, opening intro. So See, thanks man, for the expectations for are easy, too bro. high, man. I'm I'm running <laughs> out of material. I don't popping up out of nowhere at least. Like that one was a classic. I, I actually had balloons lying around because of my son's birthday yesterday, and I thought about oh, it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, man. I just need. I need to. Now I understand what it's like to be. Uh. No, I don't understand what it's like, but I'm at, I have newfound respect for a comedian, for example, who goes on stage and has to come up with new material. I, I'm, run, like, I'm running out. I've been doing the intro all season, Diego. Barcelona has never been in first place. And uh, last class... You're giving last, me like a pity intro here and there. The patron, the patron ones, you've been doing those intros. I mean, what's... so? What's I, I'm losing track. So we won the last two Classicos. What about last season? Did we? Did, is it more than two in a row? The four nil, last no, season. No, I mean, right. But so there was the three one in the Super Cup mm -hmm. last season. Yeah, uh, that was before the four nil. I think so. We won three in a row. I think that was before the four nil. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yes, my man. It's a somber affair. Look, it's uh, where do you want to pick this bad boy apart? I mean, it's it's like uh, I can't say anything. Uh, all I have is. 
criticism yeah. aimed, I think, in the right places. Um, it's like I don't know how how was the 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 managing Madrid pod yesterday? It must have been you know a joyous uh, affair. It must have been <laughs> fun to. Uh, Click record right after the game. I guess if I was Madridista, maybe we can start there. The only thing I would have wanted was more blood. It seems like, you know, you guys yes. can't get over the four goal yes. hump. Whereas, yes. you know, and, 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 and mind you, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the Angelotti thing because I was listening to a radio broadcast um, right after the game and it would seem, it would appear, this is unconfirmed. And if it is, my respects and a big salute to Don Carletto uh, Angelotti. He asked for the referee to stop at the 90-minute mark. He was like, it's enough. The, again, this is unconfirmed. I don't know if this is true, but that's, wow. that's the word around the campfire. V- vibes of Iker Casillas in the Euro final against Italy. Remember when he yeah, asked the right. ref, out of yes. respect, please blow the whistle? Yes. Uh <laughs> that's I mean that's interesting. It, look, it would be on brand for Carlo to do something like this in part because I remember a question posed to him I think it was last season where someone asked him about why don't you go for more goals in the Clásico? And I think the the they even used the word in the question un, un baño. Yeah. <clears throat> and he said the goal is not to humiliate the opponent, the goal is to win. Uh, so I feel like it would be on brand. But, of course, Maridistas are, are thirsty for something more than the four-goal hump that you mentioned. I think the last time we scored five was the 94-95 Bam Bam Zamorano hat-trick game, the Michael Laudrup famous switch um, that season. So, yeah, I think we're thirsty for it. Um, it definitely was heading in the direction of more than 4-1. Oh, my God. Uh, I think before the Araujo red card... There was a potential for a 4-2. After the red card, it was, wow. I felt like, I I mean, like I knew it was going to be a mountain to climb, and I didn't expect Barca to come back after the red card. But I'm not sure I expected it to just be completely, all right, guys, let's go home. This is great. Like, it really felt like the submission at that point was, pretty stark to me and, and I and I wonder in moments like that I mean that must be really hard mentally as a player to be on the field when you're down 4-1 and you just lost your best defender although he's not playing like your best defender right now and then you know and then this the kind of psychological blow and then you see the most energetic players coming off the bench for Real Madrid like Brahim Diaz and Kamavinga he wanted it bad and it's like Brahim. And yeah, and, and I and I think I got that point. Like I'm sure it's not easy to be on the field in that moment psychologically. To be fair, but I think in that moment, like you're just hoping that someone can inspire you and have some fight. Um, yeah. And obviously, a, a player like Gavi comes to mind in years past. Puyol. And again, I'm not like at four one and the man down. The game is over. I'm not. I'm not saying Barca should have come back, but I, I am surprised at the degree of the submission at that point. Uh. I don't know. Like, I guess I'm curious to see your side of things in this. Um, I think it was a combination of, okay, this is what I thought of, Diego. I I remember years ago when Xavi was first appointed from Al-Sad, was it? Mm -hmm. Um, 
everything, and I, and I didn't claim to watch him in Qatar to know how he was coaching, but everything I had read and also an interview that he had in The Guardian uh, where he was saying, we have one, the, the philosophy never changes, the system never changes. You, if, the, if it's not working and you're losing, it's not a system problem, it's a player problem. You keep getting, you, you move the players, you change them until you find the right players to fit the system you want to play. And I remember thinking, well, like, if that's the case, the problem with Xavi is that he's never going to have a plan B in those situations. And yep. you and I talked about it after the Las Palmas game where Las Palmas obviously don't have the talent to punish Barcelona. But that high line existed against Las Palmas. And it's like, okay, what's like the opposite of Las Palmas? If you were to like construct a team to give you hell in a high line, it probably has Bellingham, Vinicius, and Rodrigo. <laughs> and it's like, and I don't want to, it, it kind of feels like I'm discrediting Real Madrid to say, oh, Barcelona gifted us the high line, but certainly they took advantage of it. Like, if I was Vinicius, Rodrigo, Bellingham, I would have felt insulted and disrespected. Like, okay, it's like giving Steph Curry an uh, open three. Like, okay, fine, I'll take it. If you want me to hit this pass and have a breakaway twice in the first 10 minutes, no problem. Um, and so I think there was clear confusion, too. I think there was some confusion as well on Balde's side. Um, I thought the Roberto synergy with Balde was pretty brutal on that, that side. I think Araujo and Kunde not up to par and yeah you know in terms of like fighters i ironically i thought it was lewandowski who was really trying to do something and uh mm. there's no, there's nothing else he could have done but it's it yeah it's it th there's so many players here to point the finger to and and um uh, you mentioned balde and the synergy between him and and sergi i think you know for me, in particular, in the first two goals and opening goals, where where Vini gets the brace and and what was it, ten minutes, you know, I look at somebody like Kunde more, who you have been very critical of, who I have defended, but at this point in time, you know, in a game where you have so much at stake, and not 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 just because of the title, obviously, but Barca at this point have so much to prove, uh, and you see these kind of rookie-type errors come from a very seasoned defender like Kunde. Like, why is he not creating an offside trap for Vinny? Why is he allowing Vinny to be onside? Um, you know, for me, that, again, shows and highlights just the amount of individual errors that Barca is suffering from this season. Um, that, you know, put it that, you call it a lack of concentration, call it, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we've been over this time and time again. It's something that is hugely hurting and hindering this team from being more successful. Kian, you know, I was, I was comparing a little bit um, in, in, in preparation for this podcast, things that we were saying last year in the last year's super cup. I was, I was going back to some videos on uh, your YouTube channel, listening to, to conversations we were having. And uh, you know, one of the things that really stood out, to me, listening back and, and comparing that side, that, 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 that championship side last year to this year is, you know, last year Barca were much more aggressive without the ball. Um, yeah. They, they, they knew, like, I mean, constructing the attack, the, the buildup was better. The, the, the positioning was better. The 
like I said, the, the aggression was better, meaning because they were positioned better, they were able to affect the, um, execute the high press a lot more effectively as well. They were better positioned from the get-go, which is something that is traditionally, at least, is, 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 in a successful Barca's uh, our strength, right? And um, uh, we, we live in our opponent's half. I mean, that is usually where Barca are the most comfortable. Um, the running as well. I mean, the, the, the players would make sensible runs. You don't get that nowadays. This year, this season is just completely different. You feel that not just are the runs uh, not really present and off the ball runs, I mean, also in terms of fitness. I mean, on Friday, I said how I think Madrid are certainly the the better team and the team more in form. And I mentioned the word fitness. Madrid just seems like a fitter team right now. Uh, Apart from, you know, that they are better on the ball, more aggressive and everything. It seems the fitness levels right now for Real Madrid are much better than those of, of Barca. And I guess, you know, the conviction in the coach's idea, uh, you know, Madrid are, are better prepared. They, they're better structured. Angelotti knows where to hurt his opponents. And in particular, this Xavi side right now, where to hurt them and when to hurt them. Uh, and in the case of Barca, it's, it's just like complete sheer and utter lack of confidence i mean it's it, it it's it's boys versus you know it's men versus boys at this point in time uh comparing these two sides and 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 i wonder what, what happened in such a short time span where okay we of course we're missing busi and everybody right now you know he's the hot name uh, on everybody's tongue is busquets we didn't find a replacement of busquets uh and that is certainly true i mean i i, I can't deny that anorio romeo uh, at this point in time, or even, you know, the, the midfield of four uh, that Xavi sets up, that those four players are, any of them are a replacement for somebody like a Sergio Busquets, who not just, you know, allowed or, or, or was the conductor for Barca's offense, but also structured and organized Barca's defense. That's undeniable. Uh, Busi's gone, and we haven't found a replacement. Dembele is gone, and we haven't found the replacement. You know, Rafinha obviously was injured, and uh, Xavi instead opts for Lewandowski, who you have to put in, and Ferran Torres, who is a player that has had his moments. But you can't compare Ferran Torres to a Dembele, let alone to a Vini, a Rodrigo, or a, a Bellingham, for that matter. So I think... You know, uh, Madrid have a better squad, especially up front, hands down. Right now, it's it's it's. I'm not gonna say light years head ahead, uh, and, and I know I, I was very adamant. Slightly that. better, <laughs> slightly better, just a little better. Seems ridiculous saying this now. I I was fully convinced that Barca would at least be able to compete. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is right now. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's ugly out there. And I fear the worst for the remainder of the season after this, this shambolic game that we saw on Barca's part last night. It's, you know, our, my worst predictions have come true in that sense.
Oh, so I look. It's um. I don't know where to start because you said a lot of things and you made a lot of great points. And I think, I guess, to go chronologically, something you said earlier in your little monologue there was <clears throat> the offside trap, for example, mm. or lack thereof. And you asked what changed. Like I think Chavi wasn't always like this. He actually seemed to be better in his earlier games. Right now, Barcelona's high line is really problematic, not just because it's a huge risk to begin with, even if you were doing everything else perfectly. It's that there is no... This happened against Las Palmas too, again, but it happened again last night. The press was either not there or not good. And so when you don't have a good press and you have a high line, you're just... It's a recipe for disaster. Also, there was like no real pressing triggers and the way that Barcelona's possession was so inefficient in the second half, especially. I think in the first half, at least it was a little bit purposeful. And I think what Real Madrid did better in the second half was they started to really cut off the passing lanes and started to take the midfielders off the ball. And a lot of the possession was between your defenders. And when you're up, when you're down 4-1, sorry, and you're not really daring Real Madrid to come steal the ball from you from the back line, it's and like, what's the plan? and you're already vulnerable to begin with, I think it's not just the high line. It's a combination of a lot of the surrounding parts and what was happening was just better a couple years ago or even last season. Of course, the defense you and I have talked about quite a bit in that last season, it was a little bit misleading in that uh, you know opponents were missing chances according to the expected goals against, big chances, and Ter Stegen was unbelievable. Now Ter Stegen has been injured, and Araujo has dropped off. And Kunde, who actually I thought was good for stretches at the beginning of the season, is struggling now as well. There's a lot of that going on. And, you know, you mentioned what changed as well. Dembele leaving hurt. Busquets leaving hurt. I know Dembele is a polarizing figure, and some people were, you know, were really frustrated with him because you see so much talent, but you question sometimes the drive and the decision making but i got to tell you like i hated playing against him because he's such an unpredictable player who causes so much chaos and with him gone like Ferland mendy locked up both ferran and then yamal off the bench last night mendy was for the first time in a long time like this is the mendy we were waiting for for a long time for a couple years that we hadn't seen so mendy was great defensively and i'm sure dembele would have made it a little bit more difficult Rafinha, who also gets a lot of criticism, at least would have been a little bit more, or at least, I don't know, something else, maybe a degree of unpredictability there. He's injured. We, yeah, we, no, you and I noted his, his expected assists are actually like the second best in Europe if his teammates were, were finishing chances that he created. So he, he was a miss. Yeah. Yeah, I cut you it's, off. Sorry. It's, no, no. It's, I was just going to add to that point that you just made. You know, Barca... With all respects to Rafinha, who maybe doesn't meet the eye test of all of the Barca fans watching, but statistically uh, seems to you know be doing the job. I I I don't think I can say with certainty at this point. Rafinha, for me, for me, is not Barca caliber. La Mina Mal is 16 years old, for crying out loud. What I mean yeah. to say is where are those dribblers 
that Xavi himself asked for were those dribblers that push the defensive line back. You don't have put, any. We don't have any. Yeah. We don't have them. You know, and, and a Joao Felix can can come off the bench and sure there can be an argument made what was Sergi Roberto doing in a place that Joao Felix should have been occupying from the get go. Mm. I think that's fair to mm, debate. In hindsight, it's an easier topic to debate, especially seeing uh, the state of affairs or how the, the, the game developed. And maybe he's the only kind of winger player that could actually do that uh, and do so successfully in spurts, right? In moments, sporadically, we get some Joao Felix brilliance like we saw in, in the last game where he came off the bench. Um, and maybe you should have started. I, you know, That's something that we could debate. Uh, but all in all, we don't have that consistent, pure winger that can actually push the defenders backwards. And, and that is something that is hurting this Barca, uh, you know, undoubtedly. Yeah, um, and it is something that Xavi has asked for. In, and it's what worst key answer. Last thing is we're actually, we're not going to be able to get the play, you know, that's another thing that the, the, Barca can't, we can't buy players. Fabrizio Romano, uh, your god, my dear Fabrizio, <laughs> the goat, the god, just put out a tweet saying how Barca are not going to be able to sign any players due to the, the financial fair play rules. That's obviously a massive hindrance for Xavi. The fact that we aren't able to get, even when we do go out and sign players, they're probably not uh, on the A list of uh, a Xavi Hernandez and, and, and had we, would we not have had all these financial constraints and by the players that Xavi actually would have wanted, maybe, you know, Xavi's time this in, in this, 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 in this season, in this cycle of his Barca career would have been more successful. But those are hypotheticals that, you know, are pointless to discuss. I, I was going to bring up in my intro monologue, the fact that, Hey, don't worry, Barca fans. It's going to get better. You guys are swimming in money. You guys can really change the squad. Financial position is great. But I felt a little bit more sympathetic because of your medical condition and didn't go that route. But we talked about it. Look, Xavi himself said this in a press conference uh, maybe a week or two ago when someone asked him if he could get Mbappe or Holland. He's like, we can't afford either of those guys. Like, what are you talking about? And <clears throat> um, you're going to have to look from within. You know, yeah. sometimes depending on the area that you are in, that can be a blessing, yeah. you know, in, in, you know, that's, <laughs> but okay. look at you, look at you being a psychologist now going into therapy mode. How many times have we had this discussion? My goodness. You know, I really, truly thought that we were on the, at the cusp of, of a change. I, I really, truly thought that when we won La Liga last season, when we beat Madrid, even with the 4-0 in the Bernabeu and then in the Super Cup and, like I said, winning winning the league, that, that we were going to see a long-term switch and change and, and, and see a progression from what we saw last year. And never, I, I truly didn't expect us to go from, you know, to just falling off a cliff like this. It's getting ugly, dude. And and I can tell you, you know, because it's just you and me here, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Mm. Um, Patreon edition? Yeah, I guess so. All right. Patreon edition, patreon.com slash tacticas. Diego will spill the beans of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I, I think it didn't help. And I know this seems like a minor detail now. 
But I think part of the reason why the expectations were much higher a couple of years ago and we're all kind of surprised at how much it's gone downhill is because some of the some of the exodus of talent and also some of the health things. Sure. And Sufati was, yeah. you know, in an ideal world, he wouldn't have been riddled with injuries and he would have been that dribbler we're talking about that can really hurt you. And unfortunately, you know, his body just went through the grinder and we hope that he can come back and, you know, get to a certain level. Think back to some of those other young players. And I mean, obviously, the Gavi situation is what it is. Busquets. It, look, the Busquets thing is he is obviously one of the greatest defensive midfielders in the history of the game. That's going to hurt when you lose him. And replacing him is not easy, but I think the fact that there's just no one who can play that role on defense. There are great players on the ball who are press resistant, like Gundogan, Frankie, and and Pedri, who can do that the offensive side and the build up phase stuff at a, a very high level, elite level. But the defensive reads and the organizational ability that Busquets is is going to be hard to replace, and it's a fair thing to do. But I think Xavi still has to put this team in a better position. And someone asked me on uh, IG stories. I do a a daily Q&A kind of thing on the IG, Managing Madrid's IG stories. And someone asked, was last night, was it, I don't remember what the question was, but it was something to the effect of like, was it it Barca just being bad or us being great? And I'm like, a bit of both. Because with Xavi, I don't think he set that team up I I oh I think the question was what what would happen if Xavi wasn't there if another coach was managing them what would the result have been and I said maybe the same but at least if there's a better coach he may not have set them up so suicidally and I don't know exactly what the option is because I know and you can tell me better what the Kules think but I think it's popular right now among Barca fans to sack Xavi. Mm. I'm like, what does that really achieve right now? And who is yeah. the guy? Like, yeah. who is the guy that just comes in mid-season? Yeah. So I'll tell you. I mean, the guy is is Rafa Marquez, right? Um, it's all the voices with authority seem to have a general consensus that if push comes to shove, and worst case scenario, Barca or uh, yeah, but Barca sack Xavi midway through the season. Uh, Rafa Marquez would take over the role uh, as an interim coach until at least the end of the season. And um, I don't know how many Barca B viewers, Barca Athletic viewers we have here, but uh, they're not doing too great, right? They're not doing too great. No, yeah. I, I mean, if if the Barca B team coach was still Pimienta, I think it may have been. A different story because I think you know he has been there. What he was there twenty years before he left yeah. for Las Palmas, right, yeah, or something yeah. like that, and he knows the ins and outs. Sure. But it's not like Marquez. I would be shocked if Marquez came in and uh, just changed the season. That would be shocking. So that's the situation right now. And like you said, we as as much as Chavi needs to do a better job tactically. We just mentioned all of these things. You know the lack of great players in the squad. You think back to Griezmann now too. I mean, Griezmann, you know, would have probably helped, <laughs> but that was a disaster um, for Griezmann and Barca. What was I going to say? Uh, you know, I, 
Sorry, can I jump in while you yeah, uh, jump in? While you collect your thought, just just on the topic of coaches, because I I I agree with you that I, I mean I'm in terms of doubts, my doubts towards Xavi's capability of bringing this team out of this dark hole, this rut that they're in, it's mm-hmm. probably at my highest. Right now, my doubts are are, are, it's, are, are peaking, so to speak. Um, I think what makes it worse is that, that we, it's hard to see where the light at the end of the tunnel is. Like, you can't find it. Yeah, yeah. The future yeah. outlook is kind of bleak. The future outlook is bleak. The La Liga is lost, obviously. Um, our best possible outcome is a finish in the top four which is going to be difficult seeing how also this team struggles in the domestic competition the champions league i mean forget about it how is this team going to compete if not uh, uh napoli you know the next round we'll see who if we get to the next round we see who we can get but i mean there are so many teams so far better so much so better so much better prepared well structured etc uh, that that bats are completely chanceless. You know, I'm I'm not gonna make myself any uh, uh, illusion on, on on winning that competition. Obviously, so what's left is a good run in the Copa del Rey and a finish in the top four of uh, the domestic league. That's not good enough for Barça, and that's not good enough for a coach neither that has already shown that he can win uh, the uh, a league and important trophies and beat important teams as well. Uh, and then, of course, like we just addressed, the whole financial strain doesn't allow us to become optimistic and the moves that we can make during the summer transfer market. So it's like, um, again, to go back to Xavi, it, it is, the question becomes, is Xavi capable of getting this team out of this rut? And I mean, he did it once before. When he took over from Rono Kuman and this team was in ninth, you often talk about the effects that a new coach can have on a team, and that it's it sort of like more often than not, I, you, you, I think you have a statistic for that. But uh, needless to say, more often than not, a team will respond positively to uh, you know a coaching switch, uh, sort of abruptly or midway through the season. Um, if it were to happen, and this is sorry, and now to circle back to the point I wanted to make, if this were to happen now or at some point halfway through the season, I'm thinking, why is everybody talking about Rafa Marquez when we have a Jonathan Giraldez, the head coach of the women's team, who has won Champions Leagues, who has this, you know, has won leagues, uh, has won everything there is to be won. And done so in formidable fashion, in classic Barca style fashion, if you will, and has already announced that he will be leaving, you know, departing the team at the end of the season. It's like, hey, you know, why not just do it now? Throw him a bone, let him get a crack at coaching, you know, the first men's team hmm. uh, before he leaves, and 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 see what comes out of it. I don't know. It's it's a crazy thought that just occurred to me now, but uh, you know, I, I yeah. It's it, it's sad to say because I'm I'm still you know I want to desperately almost believe that Xavi can turn this situation around, turn the boat around, and and uh, you know salvage the season somehow. But I have to say, you know, my doubts are at its highest at this yeah. point. 
Yeah. But maybe maybe that maybe you can, you know, relate or 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 say something about that because right. uh, last season it was similar with Angelotti, right? Yeah. After yeah. Well, here look, so here this is interesting. I wanted to bring this to your attention. So here uh are the are a couple names on the Real Madrid bench that didn't get off the bench. Fran Garcia, Arda Guler. I'm just talking about like kind of some of the the deepness of the teams, the two teams in contrast. Yeah. Barca only made three subs. Also, yeah. Now, mind you, your subs came like many. I know Angelotti made all five, but I noticed that the last three were in the final ten minutes or so, right? But yeah, he 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 didn't change much earlier on. He kind of left it. But I was thinking like. He, the the five Real Madrid players that came in: Modric, Kamavinga, Joselu, Ceballos, Brahim Diaz. Uh, you could argue three at at least Kamavinga and Brahim, and then also Modric could be starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, you have like Arda Guler, who obviously everyone was like dying to see again. Yeah. Uh, didn't get in. Uh, for Barca, it was 16-year-old Lamin Yamal. Good player. But 16-year-old Lamin Yamal. Fermin Lopez, who came in to just hit some people. I, felt. I don't know. I don't know what your interpretation of Fermin's performance off the bench was. but I think he was the only player that showed some grit and some attitude, some, some self-respect, like some passion. He definitely um, showed something. <clears throat> Um, I don't know what it was, but it was something. And then Jao Felix. And I just like, you look at the rest of the names who didn't get in. Vito Roque, who wasn't 100% healthy. Romeo, who we've already talked about. And then the rest, I don't know who Ander Astralaga is. I don't know who Mark Casado is. I don't know who Diego Cochin is. I don't know who Pau Kubarsi is. I know Mark Yu, the, the infamous Mark Yu. Hector Ford, I don't know. And that's, so that's also the problem. And like, one of my favorite phases of play in any Real Madrid big game is that the second half when Ancelotti makes the subs they start to be turned into this aggressive pressing machine and they start to take the game and the, and the the opponent is generally so tired at that point and they don't see it coming and then I think that look that's such a bad combination for Barca too man red card and then the tsunami of subs at the end it's just a bad recipe I'm amazed it only ended 4-1 but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because we haven't hit the five goal mark in, in like thirty years. But yeah, man, it's uh that's the other thing I wanted to point out is right now you mentioned the physical aspect of it. The depth is also Yeah. The contrast in depth is also striking. Yeah, I mean the players you mentioned are all fine players, uh all Masia youngsters, with the exception of, of Victor Roque, of course, who um I didn't know was not 100% fit, mind you. I, I was quite infuriated, if you will, that he didn't get any minutes, uh, not just in the final, let alone, you know, let alone in the final against Madrid, but against Osasuna as well. But um, if you mention he wasn't, he was injured or he wasn't 100%, then that makes sense because I, I if I'm Xavi, I understand, you know, it's, it's like, are you going to throw a new player to the Sharks like that and, have him endure a thumping like Barca did yesterday. I 
again, that's something to be debated, I suppose. But, uh, you know, why, why did Xavi wait at the hour mark to make the first substitutions anyway? Like three at a time, fine. But, man, at halftime already, I was like, let's start the second half with a Joao Felix. You know, let's let's start a second half with the intention of looking for the equalizer, which I felt was 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 there. I'm like, you know, that Lewandowski goal certainly allowed Gules to be uh, to believe and, and to be hopeful that that a remontada was was coming. I was going to ask you, how did you feel in that moment? Can you can you speak about the different phases of the game and how you felt at each phase? So starting with the second goal after the two 0 at ten minutes, and then the Lewandowski goal, and then the penalty, and after that. Yeah, so I mean, we I watched it with my family, and it was uh, one of those rare games that start a little earlier. So, uh, I, meaning my son got to watch it in its entirety. Oh man, and be a little bit. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's sad hey, man, because it, I think it's, it's sometimes it's good to put the kids through the ringer and and get them to experience hardship. It's good for their their development. Yes, but my son's eight years old. And he brought to my attention that in the eight years that he's alive, the few Barca matches uh, that he has won in its, in its entirety against mm-hmm. Madrid, uh, we haven't managed to win any of them, not even the one that we went to the Camp Nou for. Uh, and I was like, yeah, son, that's that's a bitter pill to, to swallow. But the one, uh, the one where days. there was uh, question marks about whether the game would go ahead because of the protests, that one, right? Uh, Kuman's last one, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, so, so yeah, because you know, again, the games are so late here. He usually doesn't get to watch uh, the games in full. So, and the ones he has, we haven't managed to win. Sorry, mm-hmm. Lolo. There will be better days, buddy. But j- just to, to get back to your question, obviously, the two nil era un una jarra de agua fría it was a a, a jar of uh, a splash of cold water uh, that really dampened the spirits uh, or at least the hopes that we were going to get something good out of this match the 2-1 ignited or reignited some of that fire some of that hope that was then doused again with another splash of cold water by that you know very silly and again man araujo his head is somewhere else, dude. You know, you cannot make those as as light and insignificant as that shoulder tug might have been. You know, the referee did what he had to do in contrast to the last Clásico where Araujo was taken down, I think, about Chua, by Chuameni or... or, or I, 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 was, was. I was waiting to see how long it would take for that to be brought out. What's the, we're at the... Right at the end. Minute baby. mark, I think. 55. Right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so the referee did what he had to do this time around and called the penalty, you know. Uh, and the 3-1 was was sort of it. That, you know, yeah, and that was it. Like, like obviously, you still hope that there's a 3-2 and then kind of a manic, chaotic final <laughs> I thought there would be. Push, I mean, I thought there would be. Push an extra time. I was like, I was telling my kids, I was like, all we need is two goals. You know, to push extra time, but well, all you need one is one goal for a momentum shift, and I thought there would be. I didn't, I I didn't expect. I mean, I I I expected anything that was on the table. I I was prepared for it, but you know, Pedri came close at the half at the half uh, time whistle. Remember? Yeah, he yeah. shoots uh, from outside the box, similar to where Lewandowski yes. scored his goal from, and that would have changed things. That would have changed it. 
maybe it wouldn't have, but post, but it would have yeah. probably changed something at least mentally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think well, the, the, the most uncomfortable phase for Real Madrid definitely was after we scored the second goal and up until Lewandowski's goal. And I actually did a little Twitter thread about it and I to- talked about it in the podcast last night, so I don't want to get too much into it. But I think it was a, uh, it was a matter of after the second goal, we went deep. And I thought in theory that made sense because, well, now you're up to no and Barca have a high line and you have some of the best counterattacking players in the world. You can exploit this. But I think part of it was that we were giving too much time on the ball to Pedri and Frankie and Gunnogan to hit out runners. And also uh, we weren't really in a great position to counterattack to put together a couple of passes together because we were so deep. I thought in the second half we rectified our defensive positioning and... Again, most of Barca's position was just non-threatening at that point. Started to look very comfortable, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, so I have look- to say, generally speaking, Madrid just looked so comfortable. I mean, that's like I said, it was the worst possible outcome. I can I can forgive. I think Pep said this as well. Um, I can forgive the team for failing, but not for not trying. And it felt like it just you know, this team, the 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 fighting spirit, the garra, it's just not there. And and that's something that I really mm, wanna. I hold against this this squad. Yeah. Um. I I got I gotta admit, I was watching the second half and I saw Barcelona, quote unquote, dominating possession and the passes mm-hmm. that you know Araujo and Kunde were spraying to each other. You know. <laughs> I thought, I thought, oh no. Does Diego think this is going well right now, or is Xavi writing his post-game speech about domination? What's the what's the narrative? I was getting worried. Well, I was like, "Oh that. no!" He, he said that. He said that. I didn't yeah. see Xavi's quotes last night. I should have checked that. Irresponsible yeah. of me. What did he say? Yeah, he said you know similar to to the last game in the league where I I would have you know agreed with him for those. 65 70 right. minutes that we dominated but I should have next time dominated. I'm feeling sympathetic in the intro I should just go and check Chavi's quotes and get my blood boiling again damn that's crazy well do you know so uh Eduardo Alvarez on Twitter said something funny he said uh it's really a good thing that we didn't score more goals because that may have gotten Chavi fired <laughs> And so, it, as so long there's this idea of that, you know, it was working at some point because there was some passes in the back line, then I think that's great for us if there's no self-awareness. But, wow. Well, we'll see, man. Like I said, I uh, want to think that when I think back a year ago to where Angelotti was, Certainly wasn't as as heavily criticized as Xavi is now, but he was in an uncomfortable position after just losing to Barca and then losing the league as well. Uh, Florentino did made the right call, stuck with uh, El Sargento, and here he is now looking very dapper, and uh, you know he said something after the match. He was like, "We're gonna put this trophy in the." trophy cabinet and and keep rolling keep moving and uh you know that's that's the right attitude I'm, I'm, the point being is is florentino made the right call stuck with the manager i hope we can 
see similar in Xavi, but a lot has to change. That's for sure. A lot has to change uh, with this current Barca squad because it was a train wreck that we saw coming. You know, it's it's been an underwhelming season, full of doubts, full of uh, uh, just miss lacking in confidence. And you know, as a Barca fan, I hold my heart, my little fragile heart, that uh, we can still get something positive going in this uh, final phase of the season because uh, it's not going to get any easier. The, the upcoming the schedule... Copa, Copa is this Wednesday. We yeah, can turn Thursday. things around against... Barca Union East oh, Thursday. 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 I was going to say, your upcoming schedule up until the Napoli game is actually decent. It's pretty forgiving. You got Union Yisas, Betis away. That's the hardest one. It's a tough one. Real at home, Osasuna at home, Alaves away, Granada at home, Salta away. It's not the worst schedule heading into the the tough week against Napoli and Athletic. Uh, actually, it's not even the same week. Napoli and uh, Getafe at home. It's not a bad schedule, man. So it's it's forgiving at least in the next. It, it, there's an opportunity to gain some momentum here. There are no easy games for this Barca side. Kian. Also true. You should know that also by true. now. I'm just here to. I'm just trying to provide therapy. That's Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for Real Madrid, doesn't get any easier. Atletico on Thursday in the Copa del Rey, away to the Metropolitano. Yeah. And then we got that crazy week in early February. Uh, Atletico. Girona, Leipzig, and then Rayo away. Vallecas is never easy either. So, all right, Diego, I gotta run. Leipzig for the upset. Come on, you got it, baby. Leipzig, Diego's rooting for you guys. Don't disappoint him. Congratulations, Kian. Thank you so much. Uh, honorable, honorable man, you are. Very humble and gracious in defeat. <laughs> What so are we back, Thursday or Friday for, for uh, no. Patreon Edition? So, oh, uh, for Wednesday? All of those, yes, Wednesday it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know when, if we'll post it on, on Thursday, but uh, we're, we're recording on Wednesday for all of you patrons out there. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Churros y Tacticas. Churros y Invitados, Episode 3, Benjamin Harbour. Confirmed the minority stakeholder of Cadiz. Ben Harburg, an uh, old high school friend, mind you, will be joining the podcast. So, uh, yeah, make sure you sign up to uh, those awesome interviews that we do as uh, a trio, as a threesome. And uh, is that the word? Like a three-way <laughs> interview? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm so happy that this podcast is not like live on national television. And it's just just a uh, just a YouTube thing. <laughs> yeah, three way, threesome, all of those work. Yeah. Yes. So we'll be uh, interviewing the good man, the VC. That, uh, like I said, a minority minority stakeholder of uh, Cadiz, and uh, a very ambitious project, mind you. That I think you know it's 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 been going well. Obviously, their mission is to stay afloat, stay in the Primera División in the Spanish top flight. So far, they've been managing, managing to do so. And uh, we're going to talk to the man and get all the insights. So it's going to be a fascinating, interesting conversation. Unfiltered, raw, and uncut. You won't hear it anywhere else, but you get it right here on Churros y Tacticas, mind you, on the Patreon page. So go and sign up. Awesome. We'll see you guys there over on patreon.com slash churros. 
y tácticas. And Diego, it was a pleasure. Good chatting, man. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Peace out. Sports Social Podcast Network.